of an anniversary of the institution of Kauai Bible College that's educated and trained and equipped over 400 young men and women who are now scattered all across the face of the globe. And uh, we're very proud of all of you. I, I'm looking over there because they sometimes sit over there, but they're over there and they're over there and we love you guys. Congratulations to you as well. I want to thank my wife uh, because she is the one, as she was congratulating and expressing appreciation for others, was actually the one that spearheaded the entire 2510 celebration. She also developed this uh, historical narrative of the church, uh, and you can see that timeline there. Uh, I want to thank you, Becky, for your hard work for the last six months or so, pulling us all together, keeping us all on track, and bringing us to the point of, of our launch today uh, as a church as we celebrate uh, two very special uh, anniversaries uh, in the history of the ministry here. I want to I share with you from the Word of God, and I want to ask you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look very briefly at uh, the words of Paul to the church, uh, a church that he actually planted later in his life on the second missionary journey to Europe, and during his time planting the very first church in Europe, uh, the book or the, uh, the church of Philippi. And I want to read beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd bless our, our brief uh, time in your word this morning. And God, we want to acknowledge you as the, the creator of not only the universe, but the creator of the bride of Christ. You are the one that has designed the church, God. You are the one that has planned the church. You are the one that is glorified in the church, and you are the one who will come for your church. And God, we're asking that you would be glorified and blessed today as your church, your bride, worships you, Lord. As your bride thanks you for what you've done. As your bride acknowledges your greatness and your goodness, Lord, to this church and the Bible college. And Father, we want to acknowledge that without you and apart from you, we can do nothing and have done nothing. And so, Father, all the praise and the glory and the honor and the adoration and the exaltation belong to you and to you alone. And as Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory and honor because of your love and faithfulness. And so receive our praise, receive our honor, and receive our thanks. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I've entitled the, uh, this brief message, Helion. If you are from the island, you know what that means. If you're not, you may not know what that means. But Helion means let's go. Let's keep moving. And the reason I'm entitling the message Helion is because this church has been on the move for 25 years. 
And the Bible College has been on the move for 25 years. We've moved physically five times as a church. This church actually started down at Nawili Willie Harbor, uh, moved to Kalapaki Beach Hut on the second floor. That's where they started their initial services. And then they moved to Kauai High School for a short time. And then they moved to the Seventh-day Adventist Church in, in, uh, in Kapa'a. And then from there, as the church continued to grow, we moved to a, a retail space and Safeway complex. And when the church continued to grow, God gave us this place uh, 12 years ago, 66 acres of prime property, right in the middle of Kapa'a for less than $1,000 an acre. Just a total miracle of God, what the Lord has done. We've moved spiritually. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, the Bible says prophetically that in the last days, which we're in, in the last days, God says he's going to pour out a spirit. <laughs> and he's done that. And he's continuing to do that. And by pouring out his spirit, he's going to move our hearts to follow him in ways that we weren't able to do without the presence of the spirit of God residing in us. And so God has been moving the hearts of every one of us over all these years moving us to obedience, moving us to joyful service, moving us to fruitfulness, and moving us toward, toward a transformed life, the life of Christ. And then, of course, he's been moving us strategically, just as he led the people of Israel uh, with the Shekinah glory, the pillar of fire at night, and the pillar of cloud by day. The Spirit of God has been leading this church day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and guiding us in his will, in his way, for his glory and for his praise, and for the sanctification of the church, but also for the reaching of many with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And during that time, God has honored this church and blessed this church with spinning off so much ministry. This church has, has been partner to the planting of five churches over the years that are also fruitful and doing the work of God. God has provided us the opportunity some 10 years ago with a vision of starting a Bible college uh, for his glory and the training of young men and women, not just in the knowledge of the Bible, but with the equipping for the actual practical aspects of ministry, such that today we have a church and a Bible college that are seamless in our unity together, in our heart together, in our function together. And it's a great honor. And I want to I just say to those of you that are part of the Bible college and you have very little history with us because you're new students this year, Welcome to a long history of fruitfulness in Kauai Bible College and a, and a ministry that's touched the lives of this church and in, 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 uh, in, in similar fashion, the church has touched the lives of the Bible College. We started three radio stations. The only radio stations Kauai has ever had that are Christian were started by this church. Dozens of fruitful ministries have spun off of this church and continue in this church. We produce loving and fruitful competent, evangelistic, disciple-making believers that have spread across the globe. Our agenda has not been to build vertically by building a bigger church and a great facility uh, with a, a big mortgage payment. As you can see, we're still in a tent after all these years. And that's strategic because we are building horizontally. We are spreading the ministry out. We are raising people up and sending them away so that more and more people can take positions of leadership and use their gifting and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's blessed us with victory after victory as a church. He's protected this church from harm. And he's allowed this church, through your ministry, through the work of your hands and the labor that's been under the influence and power and direction of God himself, 
and empowered by the Spirit has allowed this church to lead literally thousands of people to Christ over the last 25 years and send them out and plant churches and have an impact across the globe. So as I look at these things, I'm, I'm, I'm elated. Next week, you're going to see a, a, a historic slideshow of what God has done through you, through this fellowship, by the power of God. And, I, and as I watched that uh, about a week ago, as they were kind of, you know, fine-tuning it, um, you know, I was so touched. I just, I, I, I was really almost speechless watching what God has done. It's an amazing thing to be in the center and in the sweet spot of God's activity. And that's where we've endeavored to remain as a church. And as a result, God continues to bless. My greatest concern, if I do have a concern in this beautiful spot we're in, is complacency. I want to I show you a slide. It's a bell curve of the history uh, and the uh, structure of most organizations. This is a, a bell curve that can actually be used in the application of a business or a restaurant, a company, can also be used in the life of a Christian. And this morning, I'm going to use it in the life of a church as well as a Christian. And you, you can see if you start off in the bottom left-hand corner, you've got a launch that's almost always accompanied by a lot of excitement, a lot of fresh ideas, a lot of zeal and passion. And that moves to momentum growth that kind of just gloms on. If God is in the work, if God is calling, if God is the one that's actually inspiring the work, there's inevitably going to be some momentum growth that takes place with that because people are excited about seeing the activity of God because every Christian wants to be right in the center of something life-changing and abundant and epic. Nobody wants to lead a boring Christian life. And so when people see something with momentum growth, they get excited about it. And that leads to strategic growth where the leaders of the church are praying and they're fasting they're crying out to God and they're seeking the Lord for guidance and direction in such a way that they can be in the middle of God's will and allowing God to lead his people to carry out his work. One of the greatest lessons I've ever learned as a Christian was actually taught to me by Henry Blackaby. Some of you have read his book, Experiencing God. And the premise of that entire book is very simply this. Stop trying to dream stuff up and make God excited about your dreams. And start finding out through prayer and fasting and intimacy with God what's on the heart of God and what God wants to do because God's dreams and God's plans are far better than ours. Find out what he's doing and then get on board with him. And that's been the agenda of this church for the last 25 years. And so that strategic growth has been a part of that. And then after a while, you hit this sustained health where the church has got lots of leaders in place. Things are humming along. You know, God is blessing. There's fruit. There's a pattern. There's even, in, in some senses, a, a rhythm of the church's calendar with all the events that are established. And, and everything's like a sweet spot. And this is the danger zone for every business. This is the danger zone for every church. This is the danger zone for every Christian. When we hit that sustained, sustained, can't even say it, sustained health. Thank you very much, Bobby. So we hit that sustained health, and that's the place where we can become relaxed and kind of sit on the laurels of the successes of what God has done. It's also the place where, in a, in a church sense, uh, the, uh, the church begins to age. And the people that have been there for quite some time are looking back on what God is doing more than they're looking forward to what God has planned ahead. And oftentimes, if that isn't addressed, and the church doesn't maintain its vitality, or a Christian doesn't maintain their vitality, 
that moves to maintenance. And maintenance is when you're doing all the same things that you were doing earlier in the ministry, but two things have changed. One is the intimacy with the Lord is diminished on a personal basis, not in the Word as much, not fasting and praying as much, not as intense or zealous as much, not as in love with God or compelled by the gospel to love people enough to communicate the Word as much. And so you basically are just doing the things that you've done in the past. The calendar remains the same. The leadership remains the same. Everything looks exactly the same as it did before, but a very important component has changed, and that's that the love of Christ is, is not there. And that leads to the place of preservation where you're just trying to hold it all together now. You know that something's wrong, but you're not really prepared to go back and start over again, and it leads to life support. Now, this bell curve was actually designed for churches because the average church doesn't last longer than 40 years. In fact, the average church plant doesn't last longer than, than five years. 80% of church plants fail within the five, first five years. But for those churches like our church that passes that five-year mark, our danger zone is, is actually this sustained health, which I think is where our church is at. We're a very healthy church. We're a church with a lot of potential. We're a church that's, in, I think, in the sweet spot of God's activity. It's evident. It's clear to me that God's working. And as I've been praying about this, I've been glorifying God and worship, worshiping him, and I get, I'm so excited about this week to just celebrate what God has done. And simultaneous to that, I'm looking forward, and I'm thinking, God, what do you have for us next? And God, please don't let us fall out of this place of sustained growth into maintenance. As I share a few thoughts on this, I want to encourage you that this same principle of this bell curve can apply to us as Christians. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you launched in your, in your walk with the Lord and how exciting it was? Do you remember the momentum of, of the growth and the fact that you just couldn't shut up about Jesus and you just wanted to read the word all the time and be in Bible studies and you wanted to be around the people of God? And then that led to strategic growth where you began to read books and, and you were influenced by the mentorship of other people and you began to be more intentional about growing in your walk with God and you've reached that place of sustained health in your Christian life. But then over time, you get kind of complacent and you find yourself in the maintenance mode, in the preservation mode, and then finally you find yourself kind of dry. Well, the Bible actually speaks to the two issues that, that uh, can prevent that. And it's actually written by the, by the man Paul, who was an aging leader. A great person for me to look to as an aging leader myself, looking at the Apostle Paul, who's an aging leader, on how to stay hot and passionate and on fire for Christ. And so we have some instruction from him. And if you're following along in your notes, I'm probably going to be skipping some points here along the way. But the first thing I'll say is that Paul uh, had some acknowledgments to make. And the acknowledgment is that, number one, is that he had, hadn't obtained everything that God had planned for him. Even as an older man, even after planting all the churches that he planted in Asia Minor, even after his first missionary journey, even after his second missionary journey, even after preaching the gospel in Rome, in all these things, Paul says, I'm not done, I'm not finished, God has not completed yet his final work in me. I don't have the full knowledge of Christ, I want to press in to know him. I don't have the full power of his resurrection and I want to experience it. I don't have the full fellowship of his sufferings and I want to walk in it, Paul says. I want all of those things. Verse 12, he says, I have not yet been made perfect. He's saying, I haven't arrived yet. I, I'm not at that place of, 
of comfort and complacency where I can hang it up and just go on a tour and talk to people about how I did it and how they too can do it. No, this guy's engaged in the mission. He, has, he doesn't have time for conferences and writing uh, books about how great Paul is. No, he's got work to do. And the beginning point is a recognition that he's not yet arrived. And so he says in verse, uh, the latter part of verse 12, as a result, he says, I press on. It means to aggressively pursue. It's somebody hunting for something. It's somebody pursuing something. In fact, it's the same word that he used of himself in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, when he said before he was a Christian, he says, as for zeal, persecuting. It's this zealous pressing on, persecuting, the same word, diaco, the church. So with the same passion that Paul pursued the church to persecute them, now, as an older man, he's pressing on to carry out the work of God. And what's the work of God? He says to take hold of his God-ordained purpose, to seize it. And what's God's purpose? I'll tell you what his purpose is, and I'll tell, it, tell you the purpose for you, and I'll tell you the purpose for our church at age 25 and the Bible college at age 10. Number one, to be transformed by the power of Christ. This is the promise that God gives us in Romans 8, 28 and 29. He says that all things work together for the good of those that call, him, call on him and love him. All things work together for the good. And what's the good? That we might be conformed to his image. So that's God's plan for us. That remains God's plan. And as far as I know, I'm not done yet. And as far as I know, I don't think you're done yet either. And so we're called to press on to be transformed into the image of Christ. We're also called to transmit the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're told this again, again, and again in the Bible. And Paul says in, in Acts 20, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And listen to what he says. This is the task of testifying of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the task. So we want to be transformed and we want to transmit the gospel. And then we want to be translated into his kingdom. And that's going to happen in his time. Uh, some of you may have been watching internet lately. Who knew that uh, Jesus was supposed to come back yesterday? Yeah, a handful of you. I always laugh at those. Oh, thanks. I have actually water up here, but uh, I guess I need a drink. So yeah, yesterday Jesus Christ was supposed to arrive and uh, he, missed, uh, he missed the date. Nobody, I guess he didn't get an invitation. Uh, so he didn't show up yet. Nonetheless, the Lord Jesus is coming back and we need to be prepared for him. And so Paul says in verse 13 that, he's, that we and he are to remain focused on the goal. And he says, what's the goal? The goal is forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead. And so Paul has got this imagery that he uses of, of actually letting go of something in the past and reaching forward to something ahead. The letting go is, is of the things of the past that have crippled us, the things that have stymied us, the things that make us feel inadequate for this calling of God. And, and all, of us have, all of us at one time or another have had things like that where we feel disqualified, we feel like we can't offer anything, that we've been so bad and so corrupt in the past that God can't possibly use us. Or we were once used but have been so distracted by life that it's been a long time since we've actually been engaged in the ministry and we kind of feel like we can't get back on. And what I would say to you and I would say to myself is that it's never too late and God even this morning is calling us to let go of those past things and to reach forward to what lies ahead. 
And so this word reaching forward is to strain or to stretch. It's like a runner who's, who's coming down to the line at the Olympics and there's, there's three other runners and they're all neck and neck, but one guy stretches out and just gets his nose across the line before the others. And that's what this word means. It's that stretching forward. So we've got this old man who could easily be complacent, who could easily rest on the successes of his past and the great accomplishments of his work and ministry as an apostle, one of the great apostles of human history. And yet Paul here in his old age is stretching forward and reaching for the high call of God and for the continued work of the ministry. One of my... Uh, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Tarzan, King of the Jungle. Any, any other guys especially like that? There's like about five re remakes, maybe more of that movie. But I just love that movie. I love all the, you know, Jungle Book when I was younger. I love Swiss Family Robinson. Do, you, do girls like any of those movies? Okay, so you like them too? Okay, great. Um, so I love that movie. And, uh, you know, one of the things that no matter how many remakes of the movie they, they had and how many different actors played Tarzan and Jane, one thing was always consistent, among a few other things, is that what did, how did Tarzan travel? He swung by vines. And so he was swinging from one vine to the next, and you just see him doing this, you know, going through the jungle like that. Occasionally, he would land on the ground and hang out or run, run against a cheetah or something like that to show his prowess. But most of the travel was like this, going through the jungle, and, uh, and, and it was very exciting watching all that. And the one thing that, that obviously has to happen in order for... Tarzan to successfully do that is he's got to let go of one vine and grab the next one. And it has to be this constant motion of letting go and reaching and grabbing, and it's just this constant motion. But have you ever thought to yourself, I never even considered it when I was a young kid, how is the vine ahead of him swinging toward him every single time? Have you ever thought about that? He's not swinging to a stationary vine. He wouldn't get anywhere. But a vine kept just miraculously appearing in Paul's, uh, Paul, in, in Tarzan's uh, line of sight. Well, you know where I'm going with this now. Okay, so he's, got, he's just doing this, and there, there are people off stage, obviously, swinging Tarzan and vine. Uh, Tarzan has almost no control of the trajectory of where this vine is going to take him. He, all he knows is that he's got to grab and let go. He's got to grab and let go. And I want to share with you that this is the call of Christ for a church that's 25 years old. We've got to be willing to let go and grab whatever God's throwing in our direction. And one of the things that I found so stimulating and exciting and invigorating and epic about the Christian life and about being a part of this church is that you're a church that has learned and is willing to let go. We've got to be willing to let go if God's doing something new, if he's got a new trajectory for us, we've got to let go and we've got to grab the next one. I've got a personal experience with this right now that most of you know about, but I was diagnosed with cancer in April and um, uh, bad prostate cancer, Gleason 9, very aggressive. Uh, it was in my bladder, in my lymphatic system, uh, and my prognosis actually uh, wasn't very good. It's still uh, fairly tenuous, but, uh, but God's good. And, and that's the vine that came to me. That's the vine that got thrown my direction. I had no control of the trajectory of that, didn't know it was coming, but I have an option of what I'm going to do with that vine. I can just swing and be like the person that just never lets go of the rope when they're swinging over the pond or the, uh, or the mountain lake or the stream that we've got here on Kauai. Awesome, thank you. Um, I'm going to be writing about, I'm gonna, she's saying about me beating it. I'm gonna, my next blog is the 15 reasons why I refuse to beat cancer. It, it, it's going to be a worthwhile read. Thank you. You pray for me. And so 
I'm looking at this vine and this vine is coming my way and I have a choice, just like you've got a choice. Some of you have got some great vines that you're swinging on and you don't want to let go of it because it's just, you can't imagine anything better. And some of you have vines that you see coming and you don't want it and you don't want to grab it. And some of you are already on a vine you'd rather not be on. And all I can tell you is that God's good and God works all vines together for his good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you grab and you swing and you hold on and you experience the adventure, the thing that kills churches, the thing that kills businesses, the thing that, that kills Christian men and women in their walk with God is predictability. It's boredom. It's doing the same thing over and over and over and having lost the passion and the excitement of our first love relationship with God. And this is what Paul is telling us. If, we've got, if we want to live, not just as those who are aging like me, but a ministry that's aging, and we want to get past 40 years and 50 years. Who cares how long we're alive? Who cares how long this church lasts? But being vibrant every step of the way. Then we've got to be like the Apostle Paul. And we've got to admit we haven't arrived yet. And we've got to admit there's more to do. And we've got to admit that, that we need him. And in order for us to be a part of his work, means that we have to be traveling spiritually. We need to be on a journey. We can't park ourselves anywhere. We can't rest. We can't give up. We need to keep living the exciting life. Fortunately, I love that. And I think you do too. I, I think the things I'm talking about are resonating with you because it resonates in the heart of every man and woman to have their life matter and to have our lives count for, for the kingdom because it resonates with God because God has planted that holy, good desire in us to do something significant with our lives for his kingdom and for his glory you know that everything here is going to pass away. Only what's done for Christ will last. And those are the things that he calls us to. And so Paul is inviting us to, to let go, forget what's behind and strain for what's ahead and press on toward the call of Christ. There are two things that I think are, are really essential for this that I want to, want to share with you in, in closing. The first part of what's essential for us to live this exciting life, and can you put that graphic on once more? Because I want to show you. I, I wish I had a pointer with me. But imagine, imagine our church, or even your spiritual life, moving through the launch and the momentum and the strategic growth and up to the sustained health stage. And instead of falling down the other side of this bell curve, which is kind of what happens naturally, left to ourselves, that's the natural order of things, is that you spin off of that sustained growth and you spin right back down into launch again. And I want to tell you that this may surprise you. Our church is only 25 years old, but we have spun through this cycle probably five, six, seven times over the years. We're not reinventing ourselves. All we're doing is following the leadership of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ keeps throwing us vines that keeps spinning us back into the launch mode. And we keep spinning back in the launch, which leads to momentum and strategic growth and more sustained ministry. And so this is the calling that God has for us, is to stay in the cycle of sustained productivity and fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And this has application to your spiritual life too. God doesn't want any Christian getting bored with their Christian life and, and, and losing their passion for him and still doing all the right things. You know why I know that? Because God says so in Revelation chapter 2 when he talks to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is, the, is the, one of the churches that's commended most highly for their sustained health. They had reached this point of sustained health. 
And Jesus commends them for it, but he says, I have a little problem, and I'm concerned, and I'll tell you why, Jesus says, because you are drifting off into maintenance and preservation, and you'll be on life support in no time at all. And what was the problem Jesus identified? He said, you have lost your first love. Isn't that amazing? This is the critical component of the difference between individuals and entire ministries that either swing back into the cycle of fruitfulness by launching into the following of God or ministries that simply go over the top of the bell curve and almost uh, precipitously, with almost no choice, find themselves drifting off in this slide into maintenance and preservation and eventual death. The average church only lasting 40 years because of this problem. And so what's Jesus' recommend, recommendation to the church in Ephesus? And he's identifying all these things that, in, that are really related in this curve right here. What is Jesus' recommendation? He says, first of all, remember the height from which you've fallen. He's saying, remember. You remember when you launched? You remember that early momentum growth? You remember the strategic growth? You remember those days? And he says, remember them. Because if you don't remember them, you won't know what to go back to. Because the second thing Jesus asked them to do was to repent. He says, I want you to repent of having lost your first love. And then he says, I want you to repeat what you've done in the past. I want you to come back to me. I want you to enjoy me again. What does that mean? I mean, it go down a long list of things, but it means, you know, spending time in the Word every day. It means being in fellowship. It means being in a place of service. It means finding out what God's doing and then getting on board with it and participating, whether it's in the church or in the community, in your family. You know, the same principle applies to a husband and wife relationship as well, a marriage. You can go through these same stages. How do you keep yourself alive? You've got to stay in love. How do you stay in love? You keep relaunching. You keep relaunching under the power and guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So these are things that are ahead of us. So I'm looking at what's going on in our church, and I'm just like, I think we're at the sustained growth place right now. That's where I would position us if you asked me. But I also recognize that we very easily could slide after 25 years in the Bible college after 10 into maintenance mode. be very easy to do. And the only thing that, that, that uh, will keep that from happening is our intimacy individually with Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to, our love relationship with him, which is private. In most cases, it's unseen. The other thing I would say is a, is a, is a leading factor in why ministries age and finally die is because their leadership ages and dies. So you've got an internal issue of the life, the vitality of a person in their walk with God, but you've also got an issue in the church of the actual chronology and the aging aspect of various leaders in the church. Now, I'm an aging leader in this church. And uh, in many cases, uh, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, we've got sustained health in this church. This is a great place for me to kind of slow down and relax and enjoy the fruit of our labor as a church. But what happens if I stay in this position is I clog everything up and I prevent other people with giftings and abilities from rising to the top. And so one of the things that is on my heart and you already know about is that I want to keep raising up leaders in the ministry. I want to keep raising up 20-something. That's why, you know, we've got guys that are under 30 that are preaching to you almost every Sunday in my absence during my medical leave. And I'm rejoicing over it. I look at it and I think, this is so good. This is so good for the church. So am I out? Am I not of use anymore? Do I take a back seat? Should I leave the church? Should I go park myself in Florida in a retirement community somewhere? 
Not on your life. Why didn't the rest of you say no? Why is it just Bobby? These guys that we have preaching are doing a really good job, I know. My job is in, under threat, I know. Um, but, I, but, I, but I thank you. Again, she's the only one. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Thank you. I know you do, and I love you. So, you know, I could do all those things, but I don't want to because I have a heart for Christ. And I'm 57, which isn't that old, but I've got cancer. I don't know how long I'll live. But all I can tell you is I want to be right in the thick of everything. But in order for the church to remain vital, I need to take a step back. I need to let other people rise to the surface. I need to let other men and women have their, their time to use their gifts while I'm still alive. And my job becomes mentoring and coaching and cheerleading and encouraging and stimulating and praying and fasting. That's my job. I'll still do some of the other things, but, but my job is to elevate other people because that's how a church stays fresh. That's how a ministry stays fresh. But having said that, I have a responsibility as a pastor and simply as a man after the heart of God to stay fresh myself. And I would suggest to you that you do as well. And we do it by forgetting what's behind. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we don't celebrate it, but it just means that we don't rest in it, that we don't fail to move forward and grab the next vine in front of us. And some of those vines that come our way are going to be challenging. Some of them are going to be joyous. And some of them are going to be deadly. But as they come toward us in those ways in which we have no control and we have to trust God, we can be assured that God will work everything out for the good. For us who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, and that purpose is that we might be conformed to his image and that by bearing that image quality of Jesus Christ, that the fragrance of Christ might disseminate from this church for another 25 years and from the Bible College for another 10. And everywhere that we go, and everywhere that this horizontal church spreads over the years and decades to come, as it has in the past, that God would continue to bear fruit for his glory, and his kingdom would be filled with worshipers. So I'm appealing to you, as a beautifully fruitful church, as an incredibly fruitful Bible college, with a storied past, with the active fingerprints of God all over this ministry from beginning to end is let's keep cycling back into launch. Let's keep cycling back into the fresh work of God. Let's not rest on our laurels, but let's look forward to what God has ahead. And it's going to require prayer. It's going to require humility. It's going to require great dependence upon God. It's going to require all the things that we don't really gravitate toward as we get chronologically older because we're tired but God, in his power, can renew the strength of even old men and women. He can renew our strength and make us fly like eagles again. He can empower us to carry out his work. He can give us visions and dreams and, and pursuits that are worthy of his calling. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how infirm you are or how sick you are or how cancerous your body might be, is that there's more to be done. And I would suggest to you that the best days very well, and I want to say are ahead for us, but the choice is ours as to whether we grab that vine. And I'll just finish with, a, with a, a, a brief testimony of my own related to this, is that I wasn't sure how this whole cancer thing was going to work out. But all I know is that I, I, I prayed on the day that it became apparent to me after my second PSA exam, and it became apparent that that test was indicating I had cancer. 
And I woke up that morning and I was distressed about having cancer and I thought, God, I never want to wake up one more morning in my life distressed about cancer. And I went before him and I surrendered my life again to Jesus Christ. And I said, God, the day that I came to Christ, I gave up and I died already. And so I have no reason to fear death because I'm a dead man from the moment I accepted Christ and my life is no longer my own and it belongs to you. And so from now on, I'm going to live for Christ and I'm going to glorify Christ and I'm going to swing from this vine. I've, I call it a platform. I've got a platform that God has put me on and I'm going to preach the gospel from it for all the time he gives me. And now I've got another, another uh, a way of illustrating it. I've got a vine that's been thrown to me and uh, I always wanted to be ta Tarzan. I never had the physique for it. I, I don't, he had such a great chin. Have you ever noticed how I've got kind of no chin at all? I look like a turtle, you know? It's one of the things I need to talk to God about is that in my new body, I need a, a much better chin. But I can swing from the vine that God has thrown me. I can do that. And by God's grace, I'm doing it. And all I can tell you is I wish for you the joy I have without the cancer. I wish for you the joy I have without the cancer. And then I'm inspired to tell you that I know the joy can be yours. And I know the joy of the Lord is ours as we simply embrace the platform, embrace the vine, embrace the experiences that God has ahead for us. Stop dreaming dreams. Stop trying to make them bigger. Stop trying to make a platform for yourself and let God give you his platform. Let God swing you his vine and let God empower you to live for his glory from that platform and swinging from that vine and giving your best Tarzan yell you can all the way to the end. I was telling somebody last night, they were asking how long I have to live. And I said, I don't know. But I said, what, one thing I want to do is that when I get to that point where I'm maybe on my deathbed and I know it's kind of coming, you can count on me. I'm going to be shouting as loud as I can for the glory of God. I'm going to be praising him and worshiping him with everything I can. If I can't, if I can't shout, I'm going to be doing something like this. You might think I, I'm going to do whatever I can to bring as much excitement and joy and pleasure to my king as I can going out because I'm going to go out big. I'm going to go out big for the glory of God. I don't know how much time I've got left, but with the time I've got... I don't know. I, I, I will say I have the same... Okay, thank you. I, not everyone has a commentator in a service who kind of helps me. This is awesome. Um, so... Uh, I, I, I'm so thrilled to be a part of this church. I'm thrilled at what God has done. And I encourage you to keep stepping out. Do it personally. Do it with your walk with God. If you've called on his name, it's not your life anymore. Stop living like it is. Surrender yourself to God. Work from the platform he's given you. The kingdom of God advanced through Paul's imprisonment and he never is angry or does battle with the jailers or with Rome. He counts it an honor. And he says, as I beat my chest in grief, Procope, the kingdom is advancing. As I stand from this platform, as I swing from this vine. And that same privilege is ours this morning. And so I want to encourage you as we celebrate this, uh, this week, be a part of it. It's incredible what God has done. And then be prayerful as we move into the next phase of what God has for this church, that God would use all of us and that we would all be on board and that we would all keep spinning back into the exciting, epic life of Jesus Christ as he just pours out his blessing on this church. 
as I finish this message. Father, just thank you for your work. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for your blessing on this church. God, thank you for raising us up and launching us and giving us growth and our momentum and our strategic planning under your leadership into a place of sustained health. And God, by your grace, spin us right back into the mission again. God, in intimacy with you, may you restore our first love as we remember the height from which we've fallen and repent of it and then repeat the things that we did early on in our Christian life that made it so wonderful, so exciting, so exhilarating, so epic. And Father, I pray that we just keep letting go of the past and reaching forward until you come for your church or you come for us. And in either case, Lord, we can hardly wait for the translation of the saints. In the meantime, God, we celebrate your great name and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. And let's stand and we'll close with our worship song and we'll see you guys down under the bridge at two o'clock. It's gonna be a great time. God bless you.